Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti-Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Well, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Anti-Bullying 101. My name is Jim Burns, and we're here to discuss a variety of topics. Bullying is the big one, but right now many people are experiencing a host of other problems, domestic violence, workplace bullying, cyberbullying, community and family bullying. And you know, often when I speak with people, I discover that they seem to be having trouble with the people that are closest to them, like their parents or their siblings. People become angry and bitter and just don't realize that there's a choice. And it can be just as easy to develop love, joy, peace, and patience as it is to be angry, bitter, and vengeful. So this podcast is designed for anyone who wants to have a fuller, more vibrant life and offers some ideas on how to balance the physical, the mental, the social, emotional, and the spiritual areas of their life. But we are Anti-Bullying 101, so it's truly my hope that we can help everyone live a life without the fear of harassment, intimidation, and bullying. Well, it's uh, Jim and Jen Day again, uh, and we're going to be doing, um, going to be having a discussion. Uh, and by Jen, I mean Jen Dalton, uh, who was a guest on my show, and we've done a, a podcast previous uh, to this one. Um we're going to be having a discussion that's, that, that got spawned because I have a 12-year-old daughter uh, who is in school and is struggling right now uh, with her friendships. And uh, no matter what you say, it's almost like attention and friendships are a commodity. And everybody wants them. Everybody wants some friend, And we have sleepovers here. Um, and she has sleepovers at other people's house. And usually when we get two or three, two is plenty. But if we get three, or sometimes one is too many, but usually when there's a group, we end up with the problem of rumors, gossip, complaining, and drawing unfavorable comparison comparisons amongst themselves. Um, and these kids have a, a, a wide variety of topics that they discuss, and I, I'm stunned at one thing, that they seem to be identifying with, all of them seem to be identifying with a condition, like they've got something wrong with them. 
like I have ADHD or I, you know, I have bipolar too, or I've got something going on here, or my mother said that there's something, everyone seems to have something wrong with them. And I was shocked by it. And then this last sleepover that we had, the the rumors and the gossip and complaining were so bad that my, my daughter, she really was getting upset by it. So Jen has put together a great article, which I am going to um, download uh, into uh, the uh, episode description so you guys can read it. Um, but it's called How to Have a Gossip-Free Conversation. And Jen, you talk about so many things in this article. And Why don't we just talk about, for a minute, like what is gossip? What is so kids can understand it, so we can give it a name and identify it, so kids can get the idea of what it is. Yeah. So, Jim, first of all, thanks for having me back. I love having our conversations, and specifically when you know they can help you personally or you know folks that we know, um, and obviously, yes, just anyone. Um, so, gossip. I'm just using the dictionary definition, really. Um, It's either rumor or talk of a personal, sensational, or or intimate nature, Mm -hmm. or a person who habitually spreads intimate or private rumors or facts, that's a gossip, or it's trivial, chatty talk, or writing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, personally, I mean, we can talk about my history as a gossip. I definitely have been one, and I was a I was a really good one Um, and then why I stopped. But um, I just, I feel like the, this definition kind of defines our culture in Mm -hmm. so many ways. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, it's in our media, it's in celebrity culture, it's in the newspaper, it's in politics. It's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's the water we swim in. And I am very, um, curious about how to switch this into something else right so this has kind of been a a part of the body of work that I've been engaging in is specifically around girl relationships how do we how do we live without gossip how do we not use it as currency Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I, I will tell you I have three daughters two sisters uh, my uh, middle daughter is having a baby. That's going to be a girl. Uh, so I've been around girls. And and my oldest daughter had friends over. Uh, she's 31. She had friends over that um, uh, I knew when they were in high school. And they're all in their 30s now, and they've changed quite a bit. Um, I see some of my middle daughter's friends who are 25, 26 years old. They've changed quite a bit. Um, And I don't think when they were younger that they, because as a high school administrator, I would have to call the police on a Sunday night before I went to work Monday morning to find out what went on in the town that I was working in to see if a battle or a fight or an argument or some type of rumor or gossip was spread that's going to leak back into the school that I have to deal with on Monday morning. And I don't think that kids who are young, and you, you make a point of it in this article, ever think that it's going to leak back to the person that they talk about. 
and I think what happens is is when they they get put their their feet get put to the fire as as young kids and they find out that they found out that you said something about them they really then don't know what to do and then the the fear that I have is that they turn into liars Ooh, yeah guess what I became a huge liar from all my gossiping that's an interesting point I hadn't really thought of that connection but I was yeah I was a perpetual liar and I think part of it was that it started with me being oh no I didn't say that oh that wasn't me Mm -hmm. and then it just snowballed from there yeah what I meant by that was you know, or I'm trying to help, or she said it and I just agreed with it, you know, or something. Something always comes out of it that is not good. And the other point that you make here is there is a sense of, um, I think if, if and, and you don't, and it's not like there's a loyalty to the like to the heart of it's not like a loyalty to the heart but it's like being loyal to those that are not present when they're not around and we're talking about them they don't have the opportunity to defend themselves and kids don't know that Mm -hmm. kids don't know that they talk a great game but they don't know that the other person and and other people will listen to it other people are going to listen to what they're saying but they don't realize that there's another side to the story that the other right. person has. Well, so, right. I mean, well, as kids, so a, you know, I think as human beings, we are wired to tell stories. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, right. Like we did it around the fire when we were living in caves now, you know, so, which is why, you know, you get the attention when you tell a story, um, you know, and it, the more people hanging around you listening makes you feel powerful in some way. Right. So you're like, Oh, I need more stories. Right. But what you're saying too, is like, you're not getting at the heart of things. Like that's why I think, you know, gossip is trivial. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's also about someone who's not there, as you said, who like, and kids also don't have like a frontal lobe. So they're not like using their executive functioning to think about what is the impact of what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, adults don't even think about that some of the time, right? You know, so, and and we're also like in this machine that is perpetuating this gossip model, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's on television or whatever. And so my whole, my whole thing is like, well, how do we like teach kids or ourselves as grown-ups to like just talk about like things that are a little bit more interesting like mm-hmm. ideas mm-hmm. art music creativity you know just you know things we're learning things we're interested in noticing things in our environment like you know all getting together and hey let's you know watch this ant crawl across the playground I mean I don't know but like they, something that's yeah. a little bit more reality based than talking about someone who's not even in the room they have too much time on their hands. It's almost, <laughs> yes. it's almost like that's the, that's the, can we do something other than this? You know, and you, and you're right. Sometimes people who do spread, uh, spread gossip and rumors, there is a certain, um, they're not, they're not creative. Maybe they're not, I, I won't say that they're not smart, but they don't have interests. They don't have any interests. Their interests are hanging out and talking. Right. But I think that our culture, I mean, let's just not go into like all my opinions about 
sort of like the mind enslavement of our modern culture, but we're just, we're, in, we're encouraged, I think in a lot of ways and by example, to kind of play in the, the realm of the superficial, mm-hmm. then rather than, um, you know, engage in things that are deeper and more meaningful, because mm-hmm. the more we get deep and the more we uncover or are curious about the world around us or life or ideas, the less able we'll be to just follow the system as it is, right? Mm-hmm. So how that how we can shift the system so that it's not impacting this um, this gossip culture, you know, and like and, and feeding it to kids and mm-hmm. you know perpetuating that, you know, I think <clears throat> you know there's there are ways that we can do that. I mean, specifically, mm-hmm. I designed a workshop for mm. girls to, it's called Sisters to Sisters Alliance. And it's it's really for friendships of threes where, you know, you teach kids kind of like middle grade level to, to start having supportive conversations with their friends. Like, how do you ask them questions? You know, how do you engage in, you know, um, finding out more about your friends beyond like, well, who do you like? And like, where did you go shopping? Or what did you, you know, just like these little questions that aren't fulfilling us as humans that leave us feeling so empty, you know, and rather than trafficking in these empty conversations, right? Mm-hmm. So the world is, you know, we're all like, how do we change the world? It's like, it's falling apart. Well, we have to start talking about other things besides who's on the cover of a magazine mm-hmm. or who some sports celebrity is dating or when, you know, Rihanna's having her baby or whatever, mm-hmm. which I just heard like on the, on the radio, you know, it's like, oh, Rihanna's babies do. It's like, who cares? You yeah. know, like, yeah. we need yeah. to deal with, you know, like recycling issues, you know, right. or what I don't know, just other things, cradle Global to grave. Global warming, anything. Global warming. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. But th- th- you see, th- that's the point. They, they haven't learned how to have meaningful conversation. And that comes out of the, that comes out of the home. In other words, mm-hmm. we've lost our family table, as they call it. I mean, my family table was a war zone when I was a kid. Uh, my family table was in front of the television, so I get yeah. it. <laughs> so the, the idea is they, they lose that. No one sits down to eat. Everyone's, you know, we just had a situation here where uh, Zoe couldn't go to um, – a gymnastics class on a Friday and she wanted to make it up wanted to make it up on a Thursday. Well the opening that they had on Thursday was five o'clock in the afternoon. Everything seems to be scheduled like right around the hour when people should be trying to get together and discuss events of the day. Now five may be early for some people, but for me it was always between five and six o'clock. That's when you're you're trying to be home and, and have this discussion. Um, and I think that that's part of it. I think that you, the the parents, see this as some. In other words, the parents are always, from what I remember as a administrator, always part of the problem, never part of the solution. In other words, if you're going to throw a problem on the table for me right now, I want you to give me at least one or two ideas about what we can do to solve this problem. And gossip is just complaining if you will well and also the drama the drama that comes from it it's just it's like this world weird swirling energy that's not helpful to anybody it's Mm -hmm. like but we're taught to blame someone else right Mm -hmm. we're not we're not taught to like look within and say 
well, how am I a part of this problem? <laughs> or, you know, what, what, how can I be helpful? And I don't think people ask themselves that enough either. You know, mm-hmm. how can I be of service in this situation? Mm-hmm. Cause we're just, we're not taught that as much. I mean, some communities teach their, their youngsters and um, their community members to think in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, um, you know, just in my personal experience, you know, it's just easier to go to blaming someone else, especially as an administrator. I'm sure you just had tons of people just come to you to need to solve their problems that, like you're saying, like they're a part of the problem. So how can we work together to smooth this out? But mm-hmm. folks also just have a hard time learning how to cooperate, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what that looks like and sort of what responsibility you hold in that cooperative, mm-hmm. you know, discussion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's complex. I mean, it's a part of the complex systems that we've been weaving for, you know, the last 50 years, really. I mean, I'm sure gossip has been a part of especially female conversations for eons and eons. You know, and I think sometimes that can be a bit of a bad rap. Uh, I think that men do it a fair amount as well. Uh, The idea, you know, you get a bunch of guys in a locker room and you got a guy that's, uh, you know, he he dropped, you know, three fly balls in the outfield, you know, and and they're talking about them. And it could get spread around school and different things like that. So guys do it as well. I like your thought, though, that in, in terms of, um, I remember we, I used to use the term was energy givers and energy takers, you know, and you, you really have a, a, a good one here. Gossip is a time suck where you're just, just sucking time you're just and it really doesn't really help anything it's just you're you're taking the time of somebody else and yourself to, i know well and how interesting that we live in such a production focused culture and yet we support this gossiping time suck thing yeah. you know it's like well couldn't we be more productive about other things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. like trying to help us all live in a better world that is good for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's really the, the sort of the, the baseline for me. It's like, what are the things that we can shift in the way that we think in our own mindset and the way that we speak so that we can be cause for a better world? Mm-hmm. Um, because we know this one's like not working for everybody. It's not working for enough of everybody's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think this is a piece of the puzzle, one of the many different actions that we can take. And that's why I advocate for taking like a gossip fast, like learn what it feels like not to gossip. You know, it's not easy to quit. I mean, as I was saying, I was this huge gossip in high school and I don't even know if I realized I was doing it until I had a guy friend who pulled me aside. Um, we were on yearbook together and he was like this kind of cool soccer player guy. And he was just like, Jen this is, this is not look good on you. Like this is getting out of hand. I just want to let you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like shocked. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I, you know, I continued to gossip and I continued to lie about things for, I mean, at least another 10 years. But finally I was just like, Oh, this is not, I'm not making any better friends. Like I'm not feeling fulfilled. Like why, why is my life like this? I don't feel good. I don't feel like I have good friendships, et cetera. And then I just, 
decided to stop gossiping. And I started by not buying celebrity magazines anymore. I was like, I am not reading these things. I'm, I'm not listening to like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know people don't really listen to the radio very much anymore, but I just didn't listen to like those shock docs and like the, you know, the things that I grew up listening to, you know, where they just are like, oh, and this is celebrity is doing this. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like cut that out first <laughs> mm-hmm. and then tell people I wasn't gossiping anymore and then struggled with it because it wasn't easy. You know, the, um, I mean, I mean, I'm sure I was, I, I was raised in an environment as a, a kid um, that many people could relate to uh, as a baby boomer. Uh, Dad worked a lot. Uh, we had the bar. I was raised over the bar. Mom and Dad were around each other 24 hours a day, and they, you know, it's one thing to be be around each other at work, but 24 hours a day that, you know, they got on each other's nerves and so on. But I, I think the, uh, the, the point that I'm trying to make is, um, and my dad was a, a, a PTSD World War II veteran, had a drinking problem. I've shared this with many people on air and, and uh, privately. And I never could figure out the truth until I started understanding John Bradshaw, uh, who wrote, uh, uh, he was the guru for the uh, adult children of alcoholics years years and years ago. Uh, if you ever have any time, take a look at some of his content. It's incredible. And he made, he made a, a comment in one of his books and it says, lying produces future pain. That's mm-hmm. the one thing that he, he said. Which goes along with what we're talking about here, but but the biggest thing that that I got was you have to understand the truth. See, and when you're dealing with people who you can never please, you're always poking around in the dark to try and figure out what they want to hear. So it became real easy for me to lie when it was just as easy to tell the truth because you didn't know what the hell they wanted. Totally. So, but I mean, yeah, I'm also an adult child of an alcoholic father. So mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, yeah. That's you're bringing together some pieces for me today. This lying piece and the, and the gossiping piece, which, you know, yeah, anyway, well, no, the gossiping I, I, piece you had with this, with this content. I know, but I hadn't connected it with lying, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, so that's interesting. That's all I'm saying. And to try and determine, for me, even even when I became an adult, what the reaction of someone was going to be, and could I withstand it if I told them the truth? Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have the ability to deal with either a confrontation or um, some other uh, n- negatively charged conversation... I probably would try and figure out what they want to hear, and I would tell them what they wanted to hear, even though it might have been a lie mm-hmm. as an adult. And I was an administrator, you know, and I had to deal with myriads of teachers and parents and everything. And I was working my very first year as an administrator, and I almost left the profession. I almost left administration. Because I could not deal with everybody yelling at me. 
I was getting yelled at about my boss, teachers, parents, students. I mean, you know, like first six months on the job, I was like, I'm, I'm like a, getting screamed at all the time. And I had to go all the way back to my mother and my father both, who I could never deal. I would have rather have been physically disciplined than have them yell at me. Mm-hmm. The yelling, you know, because the yelling was so berating and, and so shaming that you couldn't do. So I felt so ashamed when I made mistakes on the job. And and everyone was telling me that I was making mistakes. I just just felt like I, I don't think I could do this. But I had to come to terms with it. And as many of us did, and some of us still do, and I know I thoroughly believe that everyone should afford, be able to afford the luxury of therapy. Once I discovered it, and I got it, discovered it through therapy, I was able to have a pretty successful career. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you're bringing up another interesting point, which is shame, you know, and when we grow up feeling deep shame around, you know, our relationships or who we are, and, and even if it's true or not, I mean, meaning like someone's told us something about ourselves that we think we're believing or a situation Mm -hmm. arises that makes us feel the shame. I mean, that's been a part of my um, journey through this, you know, gossiping conversation through the bullying conversation over time. It's like, there's so much shame on both sides of the equation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so maybe, you know, in the, in terms of gossip, you know, there's obviously whatever shame the person who'd been talked about is feeling. And then there's that shame that you're feeling a lot, like in the moment you're like, Ooh, I'm, 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 I'm powerful. I'm, I'm having this conversation. I'm telling people something that I know about someone that they might not know. And so it's mm-hmm. like this currency, but then there's the shame afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the, that you're holding and it's shameful, right. It's full of shame. Mm-hmm. And then you're just holding on that. And it's almost like really hard to integrate that. And then it makes it harder to then engage in like what you're saying are these like emotionally charged conversations you don't want, you can't even hold them really. And so you just, you know, maybe you lie to smooth that one over You're people pleasing, you're, you know, just like perpetuating this like um, desire to like run away from the shame. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're hoping that, well, if I trade in some more information that someone I think needs or, you know, and I'll be pleasing them by sharing that, then I'll, but then you're just building up the shame. And I think that that's corrosive to our culture. And it's also the thing that's like, in some ways, you know, it's another piece of the puzzle that's sort of keeping us from transforming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we're lucky, we know we, we can afford therapy or even just do our own, you know, inner child work or all the things that are yeah. out there to help you do it on your own. But it requires a desire to, to shift your being. Well, you want to, you have to want to change. You have to want, yeah. If you don't want to change, I mean, don't even bother. I mean, because yeah. you're going to come up with every excuse for why you can't. Right, which um, is why people come to you and start yelling at you. <laughs> right, right. Well, I shouldn't have to change. You need to fix this. Right. This is your job. <laughs> right, That's exactly right. Um, you know, we bring up guilt and we bring up shame and we bring up a lot of things. Uh, and, and I want to tie this back into... Uh, this gossiping, but I'm going to do it in uh, just one. I'm going to share this one thing. I always know. See, I don't. You're not around. I'm not around my kids, 24 hours a day. 
when they were younger, let's just say they're younger kids. I'm not around them all the time. And what happens is I don't see them coloring behind the clothes in the closet on the wall with crayons. I don't see it. But they know they did it. And they know that it's wrong. When they know it's wrong, okay, the guilt starts to build up. When we say things that we know we shouldn't say, the guilt starts to build up. Now, I have never, I'm going to, I won't say never, but 99% of the time, I have been right. I have been right with um, my my child's behavior. Because once the guilt became too much for them to manage, they started to act out. Mm -hmm. Their behavior changed. In other words, they were forcing, they were acting out and they were rude, discourteous and disrespectful all because of guilt. Absolutely. Now, yeah, it starts to hurt inside. Yeah, You don't know and, what to do with it. So you start, you start taking it out on everybody else. Now, I have uh, my daughter, Grace, who... Um, she was eight years old. She was in the third grade, eight, about eight years old. And she has a boy come over to play on the trampoline. And he's in the backyard. And they're jumping around on the, on the trampoline. And she comes in after about 20 minutes and she says to me, Josh has to go home. I said, he just got here. What are you talking about? You know, he's got to go home. I sent him home. Then we got his mom. We went home. Later that evening, I said to her, Hey, Grace, why did he have to go home so fast? And she looks at me and she says to me, Because he kissed me. He kissed me. And she and she was, and she, he kissed you. And of course, you go into that that Father Flanagan mode where you just have a conversation about you know you know you shouldn't let boys kiss and touch you know all this other stuff. Well, I knew, I knew, that there was something else brewing, and I was waiting for it to happen because her behavior was completely off the wall for about maybe three or four days, and. She came, and I was waiting. And no, sure enough, she came to me, and she said to me, Hey, Dad, can I talk to you? This is an eight-year-old kid. I says, Yeah. And she says, you know, you know, Josh? And I go, Yeah. She says, Well, before he kissed me, she said, we were, we were making out on the dismissal line. I says, Making out on the dismissal line? First of all, where'd you ever get to know about making out? I mean, I mean this is what I want to know. I have to go over to the school. I got to deal with it. I got to make sure that the, the, the administration knew about it. They didn't do anything, and neither did the teacher. It was going on, and you know, and I had to straighten this thing out. But the behavior changed in a nanosecond because the guilt was too much for her to manage. I was, and I was waiting, and I look, and my wife at the time, I looked at her, and I said, I said to her. The other shoe's going to drop. Just give it a little bit of time. It's going to. There's something else going on here. And sure enough, sure enough. After that, she was fine. Once she confessed it, she felt better. She got it off her chest because she knew it was wrong, and that was the end of it. 
Um, so I found that to be rather interesting. Um, I want to ask you a, a couple of questions, if I may. Um, relating this to bullying. Maybe you have, maybe I have, we may have been wanted friendships, but we, there were, even though we might have had a close friendship with somebody, there were points in my life where I felt very betrayed by them because I shared too much information and became too vulnerable um, with them and exposed myself and they used the information against me by sharing it with other people. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, I mean, a few times, but most notably... When I was in my early 40s mm -hmm. and I was in a vulnerable place already and then became very, very, very close with this woman who was a colleague. And then she, um, I mean, it's such a long story, which I won't go into, mm -hmm. but suffice it to say, we were also working together and um, sharing a lot of, you know, deep friendship bonding stories and I probably went a bit too far with her because I was mm -hmm. going through a divorce and things were happening in my life and um, I was feeling really unstable and she mm -hmm. seemed like this kind of stable person that I could sort of divulge things to about myself and then she used it against me at work mm -hmm. and threw me under the bus as they say and I was just like what was that I mean it just came out of left field and it really hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, you know, there was so much, such a part of me. I was like, well, why, why does she want to hurt me? <laughs> you know? And it, it, it was bullying. Right. And it was, I mean, I think gossip is bullying. Mm -hmm. So first of all, and I think that, you know, overall we live in a bullying culture that, mm -hmm. you know, this is just one piece of, but um, yeah, I mean, it really started to um, have me engage in friendship work in a deeper way in my life. Like what is a friend? How am I as a friend? What does, what's the definition of a friend? Like, does it, are we friends just because I share these things? And then is that supposed to, in, you know, um, like manifest some kind of trust or friendship, you know? And you know, I found that the answer for me was no, like it, we don't, it does not required that I divulge all of my things to someone so that we can be friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it was a very interesting time. Does and that? I, yeah. And I think that that's what kids need to hear, you know, in terms of what is a friend what is an acquaintance? What's an intimate friend? You know, kids will, at, at four years old, a kid will get together with somebody and, and they'll say, well, we're best friends. And they've known each other for three hours. You know, and, and that's what happens. And sometimes as an adult, I mean, I know I was always, I found one good guy in my life who I spent a lot of time with. He's deceased now, but he taught me how to be him to other people to help other people to he get he really he used to take me and she trained me he was a speaker himself and he trained me how, on how to help others and reach out to others mm -hmm. and i needed that i didn't need 
I didn't need another friend. I needed a mentor. Uh, and I think at times we, we, we look for friendships, but we don't realize that there's different levels. And I'm not going to share certain things with someone who is maybe at, at, a, at, a, like a, at a one or a two in terms of friendship. That intimate friendship is reserved for people that I am very, very, and I've spent a lot close to and spent a lot of time with. Yeah. Well, I've had to learn the hard way. I mean, because I think, you know, I grew up in a chaotic home and, you know, have those um, people pleasing characteristics. I mean, I, and I think it was part of that gossiping time in my life too. I mean, I felt like it was almost like this whirlwind of me having to share myself in so many deep ways with so many people. And it was almost like, well, are you my friend? It's like that book. Are you my mommy? Are you my mother? It's like, are, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna stay around when I start like divulging these, I mean, and sometimes they were lies, right? Like, but just divulging what I thought were like, you know, vulnerable things that would then have this person become my friend. I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but it definitely felt like this, like, this weird kind of maelstrom, like tornado of a time. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to like grow into myself and also have kind of some devastating friendship circumstances, including um, two breakups where I broke up with two women in my life. Um, like very, I mean, I'm like, I'm standing up for myself in this friendship and breaking up with them, which was its own devastation. That's a whole other story, but just yeah, learning along the way of like, what, what, what is a friend? Who am I as a friend? What does that mean? And I do believe like gossiping is not a part of the equation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, I've, yeah, I've been kind of like in my mind thinking like, what is beyond this, you know, sort of 21st century definition of friendship that we've all been taught? Like there's something else there. And I'll, I think there's a lot of articles out right now where people are talking about like, you know, friends for life and how we care for each other. And, um, there's a lot of great thinkers that are, that are writing about that right now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something I think we owe it to ourselves to, um, to examine for ourselves, you better be but it's careful. hard to do that when you don't have a frontal lobe and you're in fifth grade. Right. So, that's right. Well, <laughs> and that's you just want to be popular well, or have people us. like you. Yeah. See, the thing is we got to get them to listen to us. That's the yeah. hard part. See, that's the hard part. I'm going to just share one quick story. Um, and I know uh, we still have about five minutes or so, but I want to share this one story. Um, I was working as an administrator and um, I had probably one of the greatest secretaries of all time. She'd stick with you, stay with you, help you out, you know, everything. And I was doing the budget, and I was there till 9 o'clock at night. And she stayed and helped me because we didn't have, like, it wasn't like we had computers, but they weren't like they are today. You know, I mean, so there was some things where, where something got goofed up. You may have had to redo stuff, you know, and so on. And uh, 9 o'clock at night. Now, the, the front office of the building is in the middle of the school. Her car is down a, a, lo- a much longer corridor to leave, and it's cold. It's February, so it's really cold out. My car, of course, is an administrator. I'm right out the door. You go right out, and there's my car. So I said, you know what? I said, come on, I'll drive you around to your car. 
you know, it's nine o'clock, you know, it's cold. So she gets that. And, and by the way, this woman had met at, uh, my wife, you know, and everything at the time. And they were all, uh, there was a friend, you'd call on the phone, hi, is Jim there, you know, and so on. So um, I drive her to her car. She gets out. She goes home. I go home. I go back to work the next day. Nobody's talking to me. And uh, I, 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 I go into uh, the office and uh, one guy says to me, hey, Jim, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. How's the wife and kids? I said, they're good. Everything's good. Another guy who I, who I don't even like comes in. Says, hey, Jim, how you doing? How's the wife and kids? Another guy comes in that I happen to know and I says, hey, how come everybody's asking me about my wife and kids? And he says, don't you know? He says, it's all over. He says, they know you've been sleeping with the secretary. Mm-hmm. And I said, wait a minute. What are you talking about? He says, they, they, you, left, they, you left with her? And I got a hold of the secretary. And I called my wife on the phone. And I talked to her and told her. And I called a faculty meeting with the secretary present. This, I mean, you want to talk about, like, choking, like having your your... You're, you're, you're not in your throat, you know, to have this meeting because I knew how hard it was going to be. I said, I don't know where it came from. I don't know what's going on, but it stops here. We are, there is nothing going. I'll bring my wife here. We are not sleeping together. I don't know what you're talking about. And I went through, and I said, it stops here. And I went through the whole thing with them, you know, and they finally said, okay, that's the end of it. We won't, this is not going any further. Now I find that I found out who did it. The custodian who was stealing from me, okay, he was taking everything under the sun, and I was after him, because I knew when he would get supplies, I'd say, well, how, you got 20 light bulbs, you got eight of them here, where's the other 12? You know, and he knew it, and he started this rumor, and I got, I fired him. He got fired for a lot of things, that being one of them. But my wife, at the time, you know, when I told her, she... She went, ah, oh, ha, ha, laughed, you know, and so on. You know, she never trusted me after that. Yeah, see, it's damaging. And and my, my immediate reaction is, God, don't people have better things to talk about? You know, I mean, it's like we have so many way bigger issues going on in our human, human experience that wasting our time talking about you getting into a car with your secretary, you know, or even you know, entertaining the thought and it's no one's business. Now, Even if you were having an affair with her, right? I, like I'm, it's nobody's business. I got divorced. I'm so I'm sorry. Saying, I'm not <laughs> saying that that had anything to do with it, but I will tell you this, it didn't help. Right. I mean, it it's just, help. it's not helpful. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is, it's not productive, helpful conversation. Mm-hmm. And I personally think that we are just living in a time where we don't have time for this stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we just don't have time for it. And mm -hmm. so if we want to quit being the only species on the planet that's actively committing suicide, mm -hmm. you know, by ruining our home base here or whatever, I'm not worried about the planet. I'm worried mm -hmm. about the people. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, we just have to stop having these conversations. Mm -hmm. It's, it's useless. It's mm -hmm. not taking us anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a perfect example of it, but mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure 
that was back in the day too. And like soap operas, evening soap operas are on TV and everybody wants to be a part of the oh, action. The and school was a soap opera. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Know. The workplace is often a soap opera, yeah. right? Because we're there for the majority of yeah. the time, you know, yeah. and it's the same thing with the kids. Like they're in there all day long. Like, you know, where's the entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to be entertained. I can't sit here and do math problems all day. I need some action. Right. And so how do we define that? What's action? Why is that like the juice that gets you excited during the day? Why isn't it something else? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think it's part human nature and part, you know, it's nature versus nurture, right? I mm-hmm. mean, so it's like, it's the same conversation in a lot of different realms, but I'm sorry that happened to you, but it is, it's insidious, right? So Live and, live and learn. I mean, that type of thing, I'm sure uh, it may have happened to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. You know, because, you know, schools can be a hotbed for that type of interaction. Well, it's funny. I was just reading a commencement address that Tom Robbins gave in like 1970 to some like high school in Whidbey Island in Washington. And he had said something like, people are always telling you to grow up. Like, but what is a grown up? He's like, most of us are just children tall children running around trying to um, pretend like we know what we're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so my question is, what can we do to change that, right? How can we become more, you know, uh, responsible, I guess, and taking responsibility for our own actions, being intentional about what we're creating out there in the world and noticing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, that's another kind of like to go back to my article that I wrote. It's really just about like, well, how do you, how do you train yourself to be more intentional about the things that you're saying? And you Mm -hmm. can start by learning when you're talking about other people, when it's not your business to do so, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, anyway, we've got so many issues in this country that are founded on people being real worried about what other people are doing with their person, mm-hmm. you know, and what's happening behind closed doors and other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And if they're not hurting you, leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, when I was young, I used to watch this, um, you know, like public television kids show. It was called Cowboy Bob. Mm-hmm. And Cowboy Bob always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I obviously didn't take his advice necessarily. Um, I didn't have the wherewithal to do so. But as an adult, I remember that all the time. And I'm just, sometimes it's not easy to to keep your mouth closed, right? As my dad always said, we were born with two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, if it's not helpful and it, mm-hmm. it's harmful, then step back. Every everything and we, you can feel it. You know when yeah. you're being harmful, you know, yes, and you, you know can. that, and you know that when you're eight, you, right? And, and, and you wish sometimes that you never said what you said. Yeah, you really do. Yes, and it's and it happens very soon after you said it. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, how many yeah. times have you said I shouldn't have said that? I shouldn't. Right. Well, so what is so what is someone supposed to do when they said something? Like, I've in the past have said something like oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I said this thing or I've called myself out and it's hard to do that. Right. It's also, it's hard to admit a mistake, but I think that that's a good practice is to start saying, I did this thing. You're going to be mad at me. I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking, um, you know, I'm working on not doing things like that, you know, or whatever that is, but hiding from it, and then filling ourselves up with that guilt and shame and stuff, that's, that's, that's not the path forward. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And Jen, I, I got to tell you, uh, these conversations are great. I love having them with you. Uh, Me too. I think we're we're going to start uh, building a little more of a panel for ourselves where we have other people involved as well. And we'll have these group podcasts. I think they're going to work well. Um, and I, I so appreciate you making the time. I do. Because I know I can be a pain in the neck in terms of finding the time and, and not doing it. And I've got other issues and so on. So you've been very patient with me, and I appreciate that as well. Um, but my name is Jim Burns. I have been here today on Anti-Bullying 101 with Jen Dalton. We just did a great show on how to have gossip-free conversations. Uh, it's an absolutely beautiful day here in New Jersey. The sun is out. It's warm. How's it in Louisiana again, uh, New Orleans? Uh, I'm in, yeah, I'm in New Orleans soaking up the the artistic vibe here, and it is hot and muggy. It's it hot and <laughs> muggy. So we've got that weather. Wherever the weather is with you, I hope it's great, and I hope that you're carrying the weather around with you. And just remember, no gossiping. And we want to make sure that when we talk with people, that we have a gossip-free conversation. My name is Jim Burns. Thanks for listening to Anti-Bullying 101.